Yes, hello. I am James Rosenson's late stop in our 326. It's NXT New Year's Evil. Another pleasure to be joined by at Mind of Monty. How you doing, mate? How you doing? What's up, James? I'm happy to be back again here yeah. for another uh, review. It's, it's cool. I'm I'm getting the swing of this now, so I'm I'm, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> well, I'd say Happy New Year, and uh, we'd just like to thank everybody who listened to the uh, WNR Awards, yeah. and especially the uh, NXT one. We had a, a great response to that. We'd just like to thank you for being a part of it, but like I say, it's uh, our second year together now. Yes, I can't believe it, man. Time is flying by. Uh, uh, man, you just... Uh, I, you never know, man. I was, I guess I'm happy to be out of 2020, but you know, with things going on, it seems like not much is changing. <laughs> but you know, it's just the the swing of a new calendar. We can bring it in uh, with a strong show here. So I can't wait uh, to get our first show of the new year on the road. Without a doubt, we're here to put smiles on faces. But before NXT, the first major event of 2021 was actually January 4th and 5th for NJPW Wrestle. <laughs> kingdom uh you watch new japan you're a fan aren't you oh yes i've been watching it now uh since wrestle kingdom 12 i believe that's a few years now so this was 15 and uh i've been keeping up with it uh for for a while i really uh i think it's probably the best pure professional wrestling in the world uh at least from uh not only just from a storyline uh standpoint I'm, i may be a little biased but i also love their style you know strong style and also, the men, they're known for strong style, but they go in many different, you know, uh, avenues depending on who's in the ring. And I think the Wrestle Kingdom shows are a perfect uh, example of what New Japan has to offer because, uh, you know, sometimes they may be long, but they have a lot of uh, a lot to offer. And I think uh, this Wrestle Kingdom was no exception. I think without a shadow of a doubt, on the WNR last year, we watched our very first uh, Wrestle Kingdom event. And we basically put the two nights kind of into one of like a, a best of and watching it. But I think the thing that surprised us the most was the fact of like you talk about the Japanese and the hardstyle, but the kind of the, the set and the way everything looked it is the kind of WrestleMania of Japan. And I think anybody that hasn't maybe seen it is to, to definitely give it a go because it's always good. I think, you know, trying different things as well, you know. Oh, yes, definitely. You have to change your palette sometimes. It's completely different. You know, style, you know, uh, sometimes you get used to like the WWE style or maybe even now with AEW, you get used to that style. New Japan is completely different and it gives you a whole new world. I mean, uh, you know, Japanese wrestling as a whole can give you an entire new world into pro wrestling. So, you know, you definitely have to change up your uh, your palate. Well, uh, I watched the first night and the main event of the second. Uh, so we'll speak about it right now because night one, while seven matches were added to the pre-show and the main card, the show centered around Kotobushi's quest to become God and the new IWGP heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental double champion Tetsui Naito. Now, I might be wrong with some of the names I say here, but I'm just trying to learn, if you know what I mean. So if I, <laughs> if I say anything wrong, just let me know, man. All right? uh, both okay. men called back to the past dangerous counters throughout the 31 minute match of the year candidate and Ibushi landed on the head a couple of occasions. There was plenty of drama, but it was safe for the finish low. The Golden Star was able to pick up the win after he countered a destiny attempt from Naito, Naito into a third Kamigoi for the one, two, three. Uh, it was an incredible main event the first night. What were your thoughts on it? Oh, man. Uh, every time these two guys fight, if you, uh, anyone who's 
been taking note of New Japan, especially uh, not even just the last few years, but you can go back uh, many years ago in Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi. Uh, it's like they have this personal challenge to see how many times can we try to kill ourselves but not, uh, you know, just like like you said, dropping each other on the head notoriously. I think they uh, caught headlines. Uh, I don't. I think that was a few years ago now, two years ago now, uh, for for this style of match, you know, uh, and it kind of, a lot of people caught attention, didn't know, thought it maybe be a little bit too dangerous. Uh, but they always push each other to the limit, and this was uh, another example of that. Uh, like you said, the overall story is really the most important part of it with Kota Ibushi. Uh, he came into Wrestle Kingdom last year uh, with an opportunity to uh, not only win uh, the double title, but he also had a chance that after he lost, his chance at winning the title to win it back, and he lost that match. He was the only person out of the whole two-night situation over the world title last year to not, uh, you know, end up with anything. So to him to win the G1 again, even though he was the G1 winner last year, won the G1 again, earned this shot, and uh, defeat, you know, overcoming Tetsuya Naito, a big rival of his over over time, and they they have a respectful – rivalry, uh, even though they tried to kill each other. And Naito showed that, handed uh, over the belt in a great moment after the match. Uh, it was just, it was all the emotions and the feels of anyone, especially if you're invested in the story, like I am. And I just love Tetsuya Naito. I'm very biased. That's my guy. So seeing him pass the torch to Ibushi here, someone who deserves it. A guy that uh, a few years ago when I first started watching New Japan, I looked at him, I couldn't believe he hadn't been like world champion material before, even though I know he had shots so like the fact that he's finally over that hump and become god as he puts it uh it, it was it just really culminated the first night perfectly well this is what I put, you know I, I put down the thoughts of like just wow of a kind of the story told and i think you make a excellent point there because the, the thing with japan that i've noticed as well is, is the fact is results matter defeats matter i think defeats might matter more than the victory sometimes because it's them then coming back from it and, and we've seen it a couple of times i think on the card of them going right these guys have beat me a couple of times. Have I got it in me to get the job? It's another example of how to build stars as well, because wins and losses matter. And like I said, everybody, even I, who very limited, you know, New Japan experience, but is a fan of Kota Ibushi, was behind him 100% in this one. Uh, even his entrance when he came out with a kind of ticker tape, even though there was one bit of ticker tape that stuck on him, which did annoy me in the entrance. <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs> I, hate, I know I'm watching for something else. Uh, the release German uh, suplex on the entranceway was hardcore as well. Like I said, there's a couple of moves in this one. Uh, it was just an absolute vicious match. Three finishes, the visuals were on point. Coach went for pin and Richie's ref tells him he's won. I love that as well. Richie's ref saying to him, cause he, he went in for the cover and he's like, no, you've actually won the match. And the smile on his face is <laughs> yes. it was perfect. Could you, could you see that in kind of MMA? You know, when like, the, the referee's pulling the fighter off and the fighter's trying to fight. And we've seen it there. Um, and like I said, Naito took the titles and had them to Ibushi like a, a proper man would. The, the end uh, were real. I, I thought it was really, really good, really good stuff. Uh, before the main event, it was uh, Kachi Okada and Will Ospreay. And they delivered another match of the year candidate. Both men made the match personal and the Commonwealth Kingpin even mocked Okada's Rainmaker pose and hit him with a tombstone and a Rainmaker for the nearest to near falls. The five-time IWGP heavyweight champion was overcome, overcome it all. And he pinned his former friend after 35 minutes. Again, this was another incredible match. Oh, yes. I think that was my favorite match of the night. I thought it was a little bit better than the main event, actually. But, 
you know, uh, really, you really, you know, out of the two, you can't pick a wrong match. They're just, they both were that good. And I think for different reasons, I think I expected every time these two guys fight, uh, has been great. Like even uh, when they were friends in the, uh, and Will Ospreay had, had, did not turn heel, uh, you know, they had great matches, but even, but now with the element of, you know, Osprey turning on Okada and the way Osprey fought in this match and some of the, the things he tried, that table spot on the outside of the ring, like it's certain things like in New Japan, I like to recommend people to just watch the match because I really almost can't describe uh, everything you go through when you watch some of these matches, especially matches like this, it's well over 30 minutes uh, in involving these two and uh, man, the finish and uh, with uh, Okada reversing the, the odds cutter with a drop kick and the uh, the the rain finally using the rainmaker after uh, have not using that finisher for a long time. He's, he had been choking people out with his money clip finisher, so he had even a story all the way down to the moves uh, they use. You know, it's just, it's just it's just great stuff. And like I said, I come to expect it from Will Ospreay because when he was a junior heavyweight, he put on classic matches on the regular, and now as a heavyweight. And, of course, with a guy like Okada, who we all know is one of the best in the world, if not the, if not the best, uh, you know, of the last few years, uh, you definitely uh, – I just I just expected them to kill it, and they went out there and they did it. And Okada won. He said he won, I guess, Ibushi and Naito. He said uh, no one would want to go after them, and he definitely made it tough. <laughs> well, this is the thing, but even the kind of opening – the promo to it, even though it was in Japanese – you kind of saw Osprey's uh, attack, and, and the kind of I dug it as well because you've got Okada saying, you know, sitting down and talking it, and I could just imagine him saying like, "Well, he's the best in the business, you know, and if anybody wants to kind of knock him off his perch, then feel free." And I kind of felt that in the build-up. For anybody that kind of not know, I mean, Osprey's kind of a guy who's turned into a bit of a Gagano kind of heel character now, yeah, so to speak, yeah. and he's kind of kind of got like the way, you know, that kind of group with the Empire attacking a card because of too many big losses. But this is the thing with Osprey as well. Um, I was lucky enough in, I think, 2016 to see Osprey versus McIntyre in front of, like, 200 people uh, locally nearby. And I don't think I realised I'm kind of... Obviously, I wanted to meet McIntyre, but this Osprey was something special at that point. And I think what he's done to go to Japan and, like we said, a, a junior heavyweight, who is now making his way up. And I feel now that he's ready for main events in New Japan, as we, as he proved in this matchup. Oh, definitely. I believe uh, this is, this helped prove, put him on that level. I think even Okada, I think after the match uh, in the comments, uh, he even mentioned that this was only the beginning uh, of him and Osprey's uh, rivalry. So he expects to fight him plenty more down the line. So, you know, that means that pretty much, I mean, if you're fighting Okada down the line, that means you're, you're in the main event scene, and that means you probably will be fighting for the world title, uh, you know, or the IWGP heavyweight and uh, Intercontinental title. So, you know, it'll be I, – I can't wait to see what's next and uh, for Will Ospreay and his whole entire faction. They're, they have promising him and Jeff Cobb, uh, Ocon, and uh, with Bia Priestley. And, you know, uh, I really love what they're doing right now, and I can't wait to see what the new year has for them and what, what's in store, you know. I think we're out of doubt. And just quickly back to the match. I mean, the, the difference maybe between a Japanese and an American style match, or even British in that way, was the footprint on the face of a carver. <laughs> from, yes. from You're asking yourself, I wonder how they do that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I told you it was brutal. Like, I mean, if you uh, again, if you watch Osprey a few years ago, he, uh, you know, he definitely had a has a mean streak, especially since he started using the hidden blade uh, in New Japan more often. But uh, he did not do a lot of the things he resorted to in this match. And like I said, it added so much to the Osprey character because I I think that's one of the only things you wanted to see from him because he can do so he can do everything else. So it's so nice to see this element of his character too. Yeah, I think it was a fantastic co-main event. Elsewhere on the show, John Moxley returned uh, in a pre-taped vignette and declared he was currently the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship right to challenge contract holder. The man he will face will be Kenta as a Bullet Club member successfully defended the contract against Satchi Kojima. Um, it was great to see Moxley back. And one of the things watching the matchup was how misused Kenta was in NXT. <laughs> Oh man, that, I'm re- I think I'm reminded of that constantly. Uh, you know, since he's uh return uh returned in, in New Japan, and uh I I I think it was just bad luck. Also, you know, I know injuries and some other things play a part, but also I think you know we all we can admit when sometimes NXT or you know WWE as a whole drop the ball. But uh, Kenta has been revitalized in, uh, in his Bullet Club role. He's ha- he seemed to be just having such a good time in, in New Japan doing what he uh what he does. Uh by the way, Kojima uh at over plus fifty years old, being in the shape he's in, being able to wrestle as well as he does. Uh I, I it's just amazing what people like him and Minoru Suzuki are doing at their age. But uh anyway, Kenta again, like I said, I can't wait to see what him and Moxley can do uh in the match. I've been kind of waiting for this match for a while. He's defended this briefcase. I think he even mentioned it in his promo, he's defended the briefcase more than Moxley has defended his U.S. title. So uh, he's waiting uh, for that, and, uh, and I can't wait for that match. I think a lot of people are waiting. This. Yeah, I think he said that if he has another successful uh, defense of the, the briefcase, he'll be full IWGP United States heavyweight champion of all time without holding the title. <laughs> uh, and like you said, the match we want is Kenta Moxley. This was a good matchup, you know, the pro getting a chance. Bit unlucky for Juice uh, Robinson, who was, I think, scheduled to have this match, or what they were telling us uh, on the commentary. Uh, but like I said, Kenton Moxley is the match. Uh, and elsewhere, where a New Japan Pro Wrestling record was also broken, as the Gorillas of Destiny used the Iron Glove um, against uh, to defeat the Dangerous Techers and become seven IWGP Tag Team Champions. Uh, these were two good teams. Obviously, I know Zach Sabre Jr. quite well, because obviously the British Connection as well, <laughs> whose match versus Osprey. Um, this was a great matchup, though, I feel. Oh, man, I really loved it. Uh, I, first of all, uh, G.O.D. is one of my favorite teams. They got me, one of the teams that got me invested into uh, New Japan uh, was just off imagery before I even really even got to watch, just seeing the way Tomatong and Tongaloa looked a few years ago uh, kind of drew me to uh, New Japan. But besides that, uh, Dangerous Techers as a team, I've been, uh, man, I really enjoyed them together. The Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr.'s chemistry is really underrated. Uh, Taichi as a whole has just completely changed. Like, I, for a few years ago, he was like a joke in New Japan, and now the fans love him, and the way uh, they they played on that in this match, and they kind of tortured Taichi for most of the match. And then when Taichi finally makes his comeback, and the, the, the way that you could just tell Everyone was into it, and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, you know, helping, and and then of course here comes the the Iron Claw used against him. Something that was given to Tai Chi. Oh man, it's just great, great storytelling, just great match all together. And like you said, history was made. Gorillas of Destiny. Man, what a uh, I, I really enjoyed that match too. 
And, and the thing is as well, anybody listening maybe saw that match up because the thing is, is that uh, the way I use it is the uh, Amazon Fire Stick and it is so easy now. It, other Fire Sticks and other stuff that is available. But with the New Japan Act, it, obviously all my apps are on there and you can just select it. And on the actual New Japan app, you can select the English commentary and it's not the full event. You can select a match you want to watch, which I think is quite clever because like you said, it's the four hours each night, aren't they? So if you do want to watch that, and the quick thing is about it, the, uh, the G.O.D., the reason that people look at them and go, well, they should be in WWE. They're not in WWE through choice. And I think you can tell that and the, the matchups that they've had in New Japan, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think and also most teams, especially uh, with the recent treatment of tag teams in WWE, they're a little apprehensive about signing uh, the WWE in general. So I think they have they, you know, they notice what they have here in New Japan and there in New Japan is really a good situation and they've been cornerstones now since 2016 and i think they're just going to keep their good thing going you know they have something that no other team in new japan has and that's the fact that they are brothers you know and uh that element is important and i like how they you know use that in their matches also you're about to out of course seven time champion so the full results for first night Toriyano, bad luck fail bushi and chase owens won the new japan rambo hiromu Takahashi defeated El Phantasma. Grillers of Destiny defeated Dangerous Tekkers. Kenta defeated Sachi Kujima. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Great Okan. And Kotobushi defeated uh, Naito. But night two, Jay White had repeatedly got the better of Kotobushi in their previous encounters, defeating the Golden Star at Wrestle Kingdom 14 during the G1 Climax 30 and that power struggle. The question heading into the main event was could Ibushi overcome arguably his greatest challenge? and leave the Tokyo Dome as God. Now, even reading it out, I'm getting excited because what a story that is on paper, you know? It, it, exactly. And what I love about it is they, they, they have slow builds to their story. Certain things that you don't even notice. You know, everyone fights in the G1. You don't really think about it at the time when he beats them that that's going to come back and mean something at Wrestle Kingdom. But everything New Japan does, like you said, is for a reason. And it comes back a lot. Like you said, wins and losses matter. And it, it plays a, a big factor in this match because, you know, this is Jay White's role. He is the foil. He's foil past championship reigns, whether it was Okada, whether it was Tanahashi. And now, of course, multiple times, like you mentioned, with Kota Ibushi. So uh, that played a factor. That that storytelling uh, element is definitely a big part in this match. And, man, what a match they put on uh, to go along with the story. Well, a shell of a doubt. It was the longest match in Wrestle Kingdom history. It was an all-out war in the closing stages. Galo pulled the ref out after Bushi hit their Kamigaya and Phoenix Splash, then uh, ran into a Blade Runner but managed to get the shoulder up. Jay White tried to connect with a second Blade Runner but hit the first Kamigoi, then exposed his knee similar to his match with Naito and delivered a third Kamigoi to retain the gold. Sonada came to the ring and challenged Ibushi for a future match. Ibushi accepted. He then cut a promo. Sonada left. He said he had done it. He had become God. He then posed on the turnbuckles with his total belts. He walked around ringside and bowed to Jushin Liger. Ibushi took his time as he walked up the ramp, then posed on stage, holding his belts aloft as the fireworks shut off. This felt like a huge deal. This is how it's done. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match and that whole moment as well? Oh my goodness! The match was uh, that's that was Jay White's performance of a lifetime. He's he's had some really good matches, but man, that was like one of the ones where uh, he just absolutely showed what he can do. Uh, 
and manned it out. And of course, Abushi doing exactly what I'm used to seeing him do um, uh, on on a nightly basis. And he's just always been great at at uh, just performing when the when the lights are on brightest, even in defeat. So now when he finally overcomes it and, and wins, it just lead, you know it makes you you elate. I saw a lot of people, you know, actual the rest like uh, Milano, actual commentators crying during during the situation and like. Uh, I think Kevin Kelly on English commentary mentioned that that may made him tear up. You know, it was it was actually those are the moments that you live for. The that's that's what the the payoff. That's why you go to those big shows like you said at WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom. You you go for that payoff to see uh you know one of your favorites or just someone you've grown fond of overcome the, the their biggest challenge. And you know Jay White. Uh, through everything he had, like I said, that Gato spot where uh, Gato distracts and then uh, he gets attacked and then Jay White gets the Blade Runner. But Jay White has won many a matches, including that last match uh, with Kota Ibushi, the exact same way. That was a callback to the way Jay White falls every other opponent, and Kota Ibushi overcame that. So it, it was just great. It's just great storytelling all together and just a wonderful moment in match. And uh, man, I, I think it deserves all the praise uh, it's been getting. Well, out of doubt, I mean, like I said, what a match. It was a simple story with two great storytellers. Kota showed a real dark side in this one. The German off the second rope by Kota was incredible. And the shoulder up by White was, was so clever as well, because you don't usually see that. And I think White shone as well. Both men gave uh, everything. But uh, what a moment it was at the end. The full results for that night was the KOPW 2021 four-way match. Toriyano, Bushi and Chase Owens. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. Suzuki Gun defeated Ruzuki Teguchi and Master Waito. Never Openweight Championship match. Shingo Tagai defeated Jeff Cobb. Uh, that was a great match as well, actually. Um, Sonada defeated Eva by Pinfall. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Hirumu Takashi defeated Taji Ishimu. And, of course, in the main event, Kotobushi defeating Jay White. Uh, overall, I think Kevin Kelly on commentary was great as well. I mean, Chris Charlton and Rocky Romero were okay, but I think, like I said, there was true emotion with the commentators at the end of that event there, wasn't there, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Kevin Kelly is really uh, good at, you know, uh, depicting this, uh, what's going on. I think Chris Charlton does a good job of setting up history or letting you know context maybe you didn't know uh, about, about the story. But uh, like you said, Kevin Kelly was definitely uh, – you know, hitting the right chords on commentary, and it was it was just great. It was all around like just a, a a great moment. You know, after 48 minutes of a match, they went 48 minutes, and I didn't even realize it. Like that's how into the match you get. You don't even notice that it's the longest match. And it's, sometimes you know some matches were lengthy, and you know they drag. You know you don't, but that match didn't drag at all at one moment. So I I really enjoyed that match. It was really well done by New Japan. I think without a shadow of a doubt, I think if we look at that weekend as a whole, um, I think for, like I said, Kota Ibushi to go 90 minutes over two days is incredible. He's my person of the uh, the, the two nights. Who would say is your standout performer uh, of Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, I think uh, it's, gonna, it's hard to go against uh, that. Uh, Kota Ibushi uh, definitely deserves the, the number one spot. Maybe Hiromu, who also wrestled twice, because I, li- I liked his match with ELP, and him and Taiji did well also. Uh, Sonata uh, is always great, in my opinion, and I would definitely give an honorable mention to Shingo, because Shingo and Jeff Cobb, like you said, like you mentioned earlier, man, they, really, they put on a great match also. 
I would I suggest people seek that match out from uh, the weekend also. Night two, in my opinion, was probably the best card overall. Uh, what was your match? Because I think I've got to go Okada Osprey. I think that was the least two guys getting everything. I think you expect a great match, but when they deliver, you kind of get that sort of satisfaction. I think that'll be my match. Even though Ibushi winning again was probably the moment overall. I've got to say my match, Okada Osprey. Yeah, I agree. I think the best overall match probably of the whole weekend was definitely Okada and Osprey. Uh, Bakota Ibushi and Jay White uh, definitely. If not, if you want to go one A one B or if you want to give them honorable mention, they definitely deserve it because uh, man, they they put on a great one also. And I think overall for the entire event, like I said, this is my second Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not kind of up to date with the New Japan product. You know, I, I do check out. Uh, certain things here and there. I really enjoyed it, you know, as a, an overall event for both nights. Uh, I've got to say it's a nine and a quarter because it offers you something. It offers you enough. So, like, if you're just like a WWE fan, like, even with the briefcases and the, the championships, you kind of know what's going on. Uh, and if you're looking for a little bit more kind of hard, you know, hard style, you've got that kind of technical uh, standpoint. And the kind of the story was, was spot on. And, of course, in... The biggest show of the year, you need the biggest moments to happen. I think it delivered, so that's a nine and a quarter out of ten for me. Yeah, I'm going with probably 9.5. Another great Russell Kingdom again. You know, I enjoy almost every part of it, even uh, the, you know, the Yano stuff, uh, all the way down to, uh, you know, to the main events of both cars. I'm heavily invested in New Japan, uh, so I, I really definitely I enjoy both shows. Uh, you know, maybe... Like I said, like I said, I lean more towards night two being maybe the stronger card. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. And I recommend that uh, anyone, uh, not only do you re- watch Wrestle Kingdom 15, check 14, 13, you know, check out a lot of the past Wrestle Kingdom. They have a really good track record of putting on some of the best shows of the year at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I just want to elaborate on that point because that is excellent. Uh, because, you know, if, if you're looking at current talent now, or Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, people on top of their games in their promotions. This is kind of where they really had standout moments and matches. So definitely, and it's only you know I say only it's like six pound, seven pound a month uh, to get to get this, uh, and I think it's really worthwhile to to see this kind of action that maybe not a lot of people know that's going on, but truly delivers. You know, definitely, definitely, and like you mentioned, you know, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, uh, you know. Plenty of people that you may know in the future. You know, there's rumors about Jay White now. You know, I don't know what's going on with that situation. But, uh, maybe he be, maybe he'll be showing up in NXT or WWE uh, in the future. Who knows? Uh, but that's that's also a great part of uh, New Japan. You know, I'm so invested that you know that element uh, is just the icing on top. That if you get one of those guys to cross over and be great in New Japan and uh, you know the WWE spotlight, but. Uh, either way it goes, yeah, I definitely recommend New Japan. Uh, quality wrestling, and, uh, good content uh, consistently. Yeah, I think we're out of And considering uh, I'll, I'll class you as the kind of the expert of New Japan at the moment, is there anything else uh, during the year that uh, it's a stand-up moment or event that we should uh, watch or review then by? Uh, I'm up for that as well. There's no, no doubt about that. Uh, the problem is, though, NXT has to follow it. And how could they do it? Because we went on to January 6, 2021. It's NXT is evil. Uh, what are your thoughts on NXT since uh, War Games? Because that's the last event that we reviewed. Uh, you know, uh, it's been uh, a pretty okay show. I think uh, 
they have been uh, lacking a few things. But for the most part, my only thing is maybe is that some of the stuff has been a little bit predictable for me, but not not too bad. I've been enjoying the shows. It's always been always quality wrestling for the most part on NXT. So I, I definitely love uh, NXT on a week to week basis. But leading up to this pay per view, I, uh, I was looking forward to the Finn Balor rematch. Uh, but you know, I'm trying to figure out, and of course, Rhea and uh, Raquel, but not much else. So everything else, uh, you know, I was just trying to see what, what did they have planned for us? Uh, and, uh, you know, but I was definitely, uh, still ready to get into the show. I think NXT does a great job that even with this pay-per-view of making you ready for, uh, whatever they're about to do, whether it's a special or, you know, actual takeover. I think without a doubt. So let's get on with it then. And we see Dexter Loomis walking into an empty and unlit CWC. Turns on the lights, then throws a big switch with a devil logo on it. Suddenly fans are here, and he's in the red and black tux. And Vic Joseph, welcome to the show. Vic's also wearing a tux and an upset that Wade Barrett isn't. I mean, and our first match is a takeover level match. It's Damien Priest versus Karrion Cross. Scarlet and Cross do the usual entrance, and Priest looks unimpressed. It's good to see... What are your thoughts? Is this is quite a big match, I feel. Oh, definitely a, a big match. Uh, like you said, takeover worthy. Uh, you know, even though you know with no title, imagine how big it would be if it was, uh, you know, a championship situation. But yeah, definitely big. They have done a good job of you know building both of these guys up, and uh, you know, man, uh, two of the best interests I must uh, mention, and not only in NXT but just in wrestling in general. And I said, I will completely agree with you there. It was great to see it. It gave it kind of big fight feel straight away because you knew about the characters. It's great to see Cross back after unfortunate injury as well. Uh, but they lock up and tumble to the floor, but stay tied up even when they crash into the barricade. Referee forces a break on the eighth and they square up for a strike in exchange. And Priest lands the first kick, but Karen gets him for a slam. And Damon sells the damage to his ribs from the powerbomb spot last week. After a few more strikes, Damon smiles at Cross and starts trash talking. Cameron gets hot, which creates an opening for a big right hand. That rocks cross. That was cool. We get a flat line, a splash combo with a massive clothesline. Then Priest is able to get most of a broken arrow. But I was thinking it's unusual to see two big men have a match in NXT. Yeah, it's it's, it's rare. You know, other than uh, maybe the thing with, uh you know, Keith Lee and uh, Dijakovic. And, you know, Priest, Priest and Keith Lee had, had a run. You know, I think... So other than those few occasions where you get these things, these are all, but they always do a good job uh, when they when they happen to build it as a big deal, you know, uh, you know, involving these. I think Bronson Reed and uh, if you want to count Priest and Bronson Reed as big as a big colossal type match, you know, so they they do you know they do have these matches a little bit now that I think about it. But uh, to be fair, uh, they make it sure every time these guys fight, this is a big deal. You know, I remember Keith Lee and Dodger Kobe being a big deal. Uh, the Martinez and uh, Dodger Kobe, all of that. And now we're cross, cross and Lee, you know, so uh, definitely uh, a big time match here to, to lead off the show. Do you think that's where the main event is going maybe a little bit with guys who are slightly more kind of WWE sized? You know, we talked about um, Dijakovic and Keith Lee, obviously we've seen them before. And now Priest and Cross, it's kind of, you know, when it, more Adam Cole, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano types. Or is it good to have a bit of variation in NXT rather than having something that we many times? Yeah, I think I think personally, from my point of view, I think I don't think they should get too hitched to any particular body type. I think they should 
you know, keep being the, the diverse roster that they are, you know, uh, I think that's their strong suit is showing off how diverse and how deep their talent pool can be. I think that's when NXT has been as, at its best is when everyone is uh, focused on. So I don't think they need to focus on that primarily. But I do believe that these uh, guys like Cross, like uh, Priest, are prime, probably perfect for uh, Vince to call up. So I will mention that. Like, that may be uh, definitely because of their size, because of what they're capable of. As we've seen with Keith Lee and Dajakovic already, uh, you know, being called up. So I don't know about the main event scene of NXT being uh, more heavyweight centered, but definitely I can see them being called up into the WWE system. I think we're out of We see these two big men going out. Cross Mr. Chuck, shoulder first into a post. Priest targets that with strikes and submission. They trade blows in the middle of the ring. Priest misses another back elbow splash and gets hit through a rebound clothesline. Cross hangs Damien up in a tree of woe and delivers a few boots, followed by charging him with a knee to the ribs. He sets up a super, a super Saito suplex, but Priest fights freeze, raises the edge, but it costs Priest, whose ribs are killing him by the time he covers. Cross is able to kick out, but again, a nice show of power there by uh, Priest. They brawl in the apron, carry on up and over from Priest. That was absolutely brutal. Again, Priest showing his power and then showing his agility to jump over the top. He, he climbs, spinning heel kick from the top. South of Heaven connects, but Cross gets his shoulder up at two. Uh, I would say Priest's variety is so good because you don't really get bored of him doing the same style, do you? Oh, no. He can switch it up. He's uh, I think that's one of the things that makes him so... Uh, I think that's why everyone looks at him if you watch him. You can just see him being such a big star because there's so many things he can do. He can have a he can have a power game. He can strike you. He can do some of the the agility uh, and athletic stuff. Uh, you know, he is uh, really really good in the ring. And I think uh, another thing is is that uh, that makes him be able to have a match that I wasn't even expecting with Cross. Cross is not necessarily bigger than uh, Priest in this situation, but I see it was moments where he picked them up and just slammed him in this match where you just realize i guess you know even though he's priest is big you know tall you know he may not be as like you know uh barely or as like have as much weight on him as cross does but anyway go i love that element i love how like you said how versatile he can be because he can be dominant with his strength but at the same time he can sell for anyone uh you know with his style so it's it just he's great just, I, I like everything about damien and uh this match showcased uh even more of that I remember that doubt of We see him try to go for a record in, but gets thrown over Cross's head. We get a high angle powerbomb. She looked absolutely vicious. As Jar would say, it folded him up like an accordion. Uh, Priest rolls out to regroup him and carry and follows. He gets hit with two kicks, but a third is caught. Cross drives in midsection first into the scaffolding, then slams him on the steps. Not again. We've seen the stairs with Priest before. <laughs> he loves those spots on the steps. I don't get it. <laughs> it's going to come back to haunt him. Uh, Priest gets to his feet in the ring and pisses Cross off by telling him he's still standing. A CT suplex come to the back of the head ends it. Um, thoughts on this? It was great stuff from both guys. Uh, Priest lost nothing in defeat and just has that look. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I think... Uh... The presentation of Cross as an unstoppable monster has definitely grown on me. Wasn't too sure on him around, uh, you know, when he beat Keith Lee. And I know this is really his, like his first match back. But, like, I just watching stuff like this and knowing, thinking about the fact that he dominated Chomp, but thinking about the fact that he pretty much, sing, uh, you know, uh, beat Keith Lee pretty handedly. 
they are really going running with uh, the fact that Cross is unbeatable and just like uh, he's definitely looked like the doomsday monster that they're uh, building him up to be. Uh, I, just the striking throughout the match was great. Uh, and Priest, uh, with his comeback, like you mentioned, uh, the flurry that he can go on and just him, of course, meeting the steps again, kind of feeling like a callback to uh, how he how we got to, uh, you know, uh, babyface Damian Priest and him, his his defiance in the end, making him look like a million bucks. You know, uh, man, I, I just loved it. Uh, Pre-show resilience. Uh, you know, I give it four stars. Yeah, I've got a groovy there. I'll give it a four out of five. Like I said, a fantastic way to start the show. And another thing that added to it is the fact that we had no ad breaks as well, so it didn't ruin the flow of the match whatsoever. Uh, we released polls as well, and poll-wise, uh, Cross got 75% of the vote. No, no real surprise there. We learned Adam Cole and Roderick Strong face Bree Zango in first round of Dusty Classic next week. Then Mackenzie Mitchell interviews the era boys. Cole talks up their credentials and promises to refulfill the prophecy in 2021. Roddy says respect Breeze and Dango, but they're going to beat them. And they talk about how Kylie Riley starts prophecy refilling tonight by winning the NXT Championship. We then see the grizzled young vets in the crowd reminded they've been a dusty field. Then it's cruiserweight total time. It's Santos Espar versus Grand Metallic. Uh, Dorado's here with a challenger. Oaken Wild around with those with a champ. Esquire shows up in the mask but loses it before the bell. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Of course, Grand Metallic getting a, a couple of victories recently. What are your thoughts on the Cruiserweights at this moment in time? Uh, you know, I, I think they kind of listened to me when I called him uh, overrated and they, uh, you know, wanted to add someone they knew he could uh, have a decent chemistry with in Metal League, uh, you know, in their styles. Their styles really complemented each other. I would definitely say that in this match. Uh, the matches, again, like I, I think I always say this when the uh, when the cruiserweights come up, the matches are always interesting and and uh, and really good to me. It's just usually, uh, you know, what's go- you know what's going to happen after the match, or like, is there a story connected to it? And you know, like again, how deep is this division? Uh, you know, we see Metal League here, but you know, what 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 would be next after this? But again, uh, to, to, as far as the match goes, uh, definitely they these guys had a great chemistry. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, we talk about guilty pleasures. For me, Lucha House Party's music is one of those guilty pleasures because <laughs> I, I think it is a banging tune. Um, and also, Grand Metallic dressed like Sin Cara uh, for his title defense as well, which I thought was interesting enough. We get a yeah. filling out process for Lucha style. Then Hulkin Runner sends Espar to the floor. He teases a dive. Springboard Runner into the floor. Then Espar connects with a forearm, but Metallic sends him into the floor. And Springboard top flattens the champ. Dorado fans off his guy. He tries for another run off the apron, but Santos counters or slips. It is hard to tell. He swings Metallic into the fence, and then there's a beat down with a champ target in the lower back. Um, weird enough, Metallic was in the CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic, back in 2016 that we've covered on the WNR. Uh, he got to the final after beating Zack Sabre Jr. in the semifinals. TJP won that competition after he beat Kota Ibushi in the other semi. Now, if you think about that, when it's, you know, about the talent uh, where only Metallic is the only one now uh, in WWE. Is it that much of a surprise that WWE dropped the ball with the CWC when you think about the talent involved? Yeah, uh, it, man, it, that's one of those things that I know they regret letting people like a Zack Sabre Jr. walk out the door and TJP and, you know, uh, just the way they treated some of those guys also. And, some, and, you know, even, you know, the fact that Metal League is still there 
it's kind of amazing if you think about even some of the way that even guys like him and, Lu- and Lince have been treated. They are, uh, you know, as much as much as I think Lucha House Party is, is good, I think we can admit they could be uh, used more properly doing th- more interesting things. Uh, but they're definitely once once you let those guys get in the ring, uh, he king the king of the ropes, uh, definitely uh is right up that alley, uh, right in their uh group of talent. You know what I mean? Uh, he had a match with AJ Styles that I really enjoyed not too long ago on SmackDown a while back. Uh, but that uh, was really really great. But anyway, Metal Leak. Uh, like but when you think about it, the the, the failure that was the Cruiserweight uh tournament even though how great that tournament fe- uh, ended up being and the fact that they could not you know keep those that talent i know it eats at them that you know they lost a lot of that to uh other promotion i'm sure it doesn't bo- bother grand metallic like he's going for the cruiserweight title whereas kotobushi's main event in both nights of wrestle kingdom anyway <laughs> <laughs> back to right. the match <laughs> metallic does the charge and follows with a super kick and a flatliner Springboard Doc Crick sends Santos to the outside. Uh, the way he spins on the ropes, though, like we talk about Metallic, is is uh, sensational. Off the top rope, Springboard sent on. They're both down to the floor. Back in a splash off the top rope, only gets two. The challenge with a kick uh, to the fast, but follow-up splash attempt leaps right into a high knee. We get an arrow from the depth of hell, sends Metallic into the barricade. The back in the champ gets two. Escobar throws him into a couple of sets of turnbuckles. Up top of Metallic, mass slips for the second time and contributes to the fall to the apron. While well, those look to get involved, but Dorado flies off to save him, uh, his partner. And after a couple of counts, it's on the end for the champ hitting the Phantom Driver uh, to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, I weren't really sure about the end and if it was meant to end, but, you know, in that way, but they got it done. Uh, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Oh, man, I really, uh, I thought it was cool. I thought I liked Wade Baird on commentary, putting over uh escobar you know uh i think i was like that's another guy i think heard me say he's overrated because he really was trying to <laughs> put him over to me on commentary but uh metal league really was putting on a show in this match until he flew right into that jumping from escobar and uh you know that kind of you know was it was the end was not too far after that but I, I enjoyed it It was solid you know it wasn't too insane of a match you know that's why i kind of give it you know three stars i thought it was just a solid okay match because uh, even though Metal League did, they have a great chemistry together. I've seen uh, Metal League do a lot of that before, so uh, you know, it, I thought it was a really good match, and I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, being a really good match. No, I think without a doubt. And uh, just say so your point there about Wade Barrett's commentary, because he says something in the first match as well, uh, when um, Cross had him up on the top rope, he's going to hit the side to suplex and. Barrett goes, oh, that's the move that beat Keith Lee for the NXT title. And that's exactly the kind of commentary I want to hear when you think of a move of being impactful and you go, well, wow, if that won the title off him, then that's got to be a big move if he hits it. And it adds more as opposed to commentators going, oh, he's hit that move. Well, it's definitely over when you know it's not going to be, you know, and I think that's a difference. I agree. I agree. And I think that's why uh, Barrett won the commentator award. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's out. Santos does need more challenges, I feel, for the Cruiserweight title. But there is potential there because the Gala's El Fantasma, I think, are really, really good. I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. Uh, poll-wise, Santos got 64% of the poll. And then we see Rare Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez warming up. And then we are told Zia Lee is next. 
after a break, we first hear from Mercedes Martinez. She says ESI didn't look like the overall competitor of the year when she kicked her ass a couple of weeks ago. Mercedes yeah. doesn't care about us title. She wants the women's title. That excites me that that match is coming up. Yes, I, I can't wait. I love the promo. It was a, a you know, great you know tone by uh, Mercedes there. I just I like the confidence. You know, uh, you know, someone stepping up to EO that's confident. You know, after the dominant year she had, is it's a breath of fresh air, and I just can't wait to see what they can do together. Uh, hopefully at, at the uh, takeover in February. Yeah, I think without a doubt, do we? woman she's on the golden throne on the stage the camera pulls back and zero and boa are next to her uh boa escorts lightly down to the ring and moves her headpiece and Zaya does a few forms and heads into the ring um would you make of this entrance because i got dungeon of doom vibes i don't know about you <laughs> wow okay i didn't think about it. that's a <laughs> I think, uh, man, that's a dated reference right there. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. I got. I got where you're coming from. I wasn't expecting it. That's what. That's what happened. Uh, but honestly, uh, I get what you're saying. I honestly have no clue what's going on. The imagery, the pale face character, or whatever, is is definitely eye catching. But I have no clue where uh, where they're going with it. I'm just gonna be patient and see. It, it like I said, it caught my eye. So I, I think that's maybe the goal. It's to just see, uh, it's to get you interested and see what's going on. So I want to see what her and boy, uh, what, what, what's their plan, or maybe what, what are they doing now? Uh, you know, where, where did this switch come in? You know, besides the fact we, we know, uh, that they, they're going to be different in, uh, you know, competitors just based on the training videos we've seen. But uh, you know, I would like to learn more about all of it now. But yeah, uh, it was definitely like I said, uh, something I wasn't expecting to see, but. Uh, I gotta see. I gotta say, her look, especially towards the end of the entrance and everything, man, she definitely looked looked great. Well, this is the thing, you know, and she was in action against Katrina Cortez. Katrina was on the main roster for about a second. She evades, uh, managed to evade, and then gets kicked out. Zia stops the bow um, to her trainer, cult leader. More kicks. She licks her palm for <laughs> a strike, but Cortez fires back. Lee isn't selling pain after training now. More kicks and a spinning back kick ends it. Uh, Lee defeating Katrina Cortez. She and Boa head up the ramp and bow to the mystery woman. Um, what are your thoughts on the match? And, and this is one of the things, one positive in NXT, at least in women's characters, because like you said, it's adding layers now to a woman who wasn't getting used and she's not kind of near the top of the card. But rather than kind of wasting like a, uh, you know, a tag team or men's, whatever it is, they go, now let's develop another woman and make her interesting. I think it's credit to NXT for that. Yes, I agree 100%. I didn't really rate, like, I didn't give it a star match because it really, really about the match as much as it was more so about the story of the evolution of Zia Lee and, uh, you know, maybe this new, uh, uh, you know, not not, not so much moveset because she's always kind of had a martial arts style, but it seems now that she's more kind of like uh, reminding me of Bray Wyatt when it comes to being immune to taking pain because of the uh, painful training we've seen take place in the vignette. So I would like to see them develop, you know, just how tough Zia Lee is. And, uh, you know, and I, I agree, you know, someone who wasn't really uh, used, uh, like you said, much other than a, a match here and a match there. And she had been, she was on a losing streak before this. So now, uh, seeing what could possibly come with this in a whole new look, the the new entrance, the character, making a, a giving her a whole new interesting element, uh, it's just a great job, and uh, I, I like that. I agree. Uh, I've so many times over the years, 
you know, uh, some of the undercard people do not get the proper attention. So the fact that they're giving her a chance to uh, you know, kind of rebrand and do something new and establish, you know, another talent, uh, man, I think that's only going to make this already strong women's division even more strong. Yeah, and that's a success to build on the foundations that they've got. Uh, we then hear about Thatcher's injury and then Mitchell interviews Bronson Reed at ringside. He knows about injuries and it left him frustrated. He's going to take all that frustration out on NXT roster. He picks his country women in our next match. It's our last woman standing affair. And talk about takeover worthy. Uh, versus Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel was impressed. Just look at war games. Uh, you talked about being excited. How excited were you for this match before it uh, kicked off? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward. I knew this was going to be... Uh... The next chapter in this uh, in this great feud, I, Rhea Ripley uh, took care of business in their first matchup. Uh, and even though I really enjoyed that, and now with the stipulation of Last Woman Stand, I knew that they were uh, only going to uh, go even harder. And I think their chemistry showed even you know showed through even better in this match. It was just uh, a a great match, and they started out with such a you know breakneck pace just from the beginning, just taking it out on each other. And, man, you, I love the intensity of this match from the start. Well, like you said, they were a dropkick right at the bell, punches in the corner, Fez press puts Raquel down, but they trade top position back up. Gonzalez with big clothesline overhead throw and another one. The big Texan is in control. Ripley up at four. Um, you can tell these women don't like each other. And so many times in a kind of rivalry match or when they've got a feud, they kind of technical wrestle or, you know, I, I, I remember that with Ray and Eddie, like they were feuding and they hate each other, but it was just so technical. It's like, well, no, there should be a nastiness. There was right. definitely a nastiness to this matchup here. You could tell they despised each other. Yes. I, I think that's what uh, separate. I think uh, the Miz uh, recently is another example. I remember one, I think he was in the storyline with Bray Wyatt and, Bray Wyatt did, uh, did something to his family, uh, supposedly attacked his young daughter, and he's uh, not only making his regular Hollywood interest, they they tie up or whatever at the beginning instead of him being angry and jumping on, you know, Bray from the beginning. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I love how, you know, along with this, you know that they have a broken friendship. They seem like two people who just don't like each other uh, anymore for whatever reason, and like you said, they they came out with that type of energy from the beginning, and it was just a, it, it added to the already uh you know you know tough you know stipulation where everyone you know whenever a last man or a last woman standing match is coming, you know that they're gonna do a you inflict a lot of damage on each other. Well, like I said, Raquel was talking to her opponent, saying how easy Ray was to fall into thinking that and that fires a nightmare up, and they spill outside. Uh, Ripley tries to jump off the steps for a drop kick and flies into a steel chair. Gonzalez throws her into the barricade. Raquel's a pair of handcuffs, but Ripley fights her off and cuffs Raquel to the fence. She doesn't get much offense in before Gonzalez turns the ties and just rips out the pizza fence to free herself. The strength of Gonzalez on show there. And again, a really, really good spot. They fight to the timekeeper's area with Raquel using the piece of fence cuffed to her wrist as a weapon. Raquel uses the bell hammer to create some space, but Gonzalez with a drop right onto the announce table and the way Ripley hit the corner looked like she had broken her back. Yes, man. I was, man, I, I winced myself when that spot happened, uh, in the way, the way she landed, uh, it didn't look like the table had much give to it either. Uh, man, it was a cut. That was the first of a couple of more just spots where I was like, wow, 
man, they, they, these ladies are tough. Well, Gonzalez went for the cover and the referee said you can't. And Gonzalez in with him as well, which I thought was quite cool. Uh, the Aussie managed to get up low. And Gonzalez, uh, we can see them fighting all over the place uh, as we go to an advert. And then when we come back, Gonzalez is speared into a glass door and it is shattered. Uh, both women down for seven. Uh, that was a holy shit because I thought, was that meant to happen? Because the way the door had smashed, it, it, it you know what I mean? It was such a sickening sight. There's um, moments in wrestling when you just you're not sure if that was planned. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. And then we see uh, Ripley kicking uh, Raquel down a hallway into the production area. She sets her up into a catering table and climbs onto a cabinet. DX suck it, and then she dives from a swanton through the table. Uh, fucking hell, that was unbelievable. Were you thinking Ripley, someone her size, should attempt something like that, uh, but does again another crazy bump. Oh, yeah, man, definitely got a pop. Uh, she's going to have to start putting a little more hips into her cross chop. You know, I think she could have improved. <laughs> but it was definitely a, a holy shit moment. Also, again, you know, like, was you know, that uh, athlete like that, being able to, uh, to do that. And a table bump all together is always tough. But, you know, uh, it's always just nice to see that spot when it's done the right way. And uh, it was definitely executed properly. Well, they're both down, but when Ray gets up, here comes Dakota Kai with a kendo stick. She beats down the Nightmare, makes sure her partner's okay. Ripley time to recover. Uh, she kicks, when I say kicking her ass with the locker, like, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> like Kai is just slam, slam, slam. And then she's like, no, I'm going to put her in it. And I was like, there's no way she's putting her in there. And then putting a carry case there. Such a great visual of like, screw you, you know? And it's like, Fair play there. Oh, it was perfect. It was a great moment. Uh, I couldn't believe Dakota Kai was a grown woman would fit perfectly like that <laughs> in the locker, first of all. It was just great. Uh, you know, I hope that wasn't too triggering to anybody uh, who had to be stuffed in lockers in high school. Luckily <laughs> for me, I, you know, that wasn't my role, but uh, I, don't want, I don't want that to be triggering for anyone. But, man, I definitely popped for that, man. I, I had a nice chuckle at that spot. Uh, it's unbelievable, and then but she walks right into a chair shot onto the stage. And Ripley fights it off and locks into the uh, reverse cloverleaf. When she tries to use the chair for the cross face as well, again it's such a cool looking visual. So you can see with both women as well the welts and and the marks and the pain from the match. And another great bit of commentary is Wade Barrett saying, "Oh, I've never been in the last man standing match at the start of it, and then during the end you can see I'm glad I was never in the last man standing match if yeah. this is what you have to do." Uh, we see her blocking the submission low and Gonzalez kicks free and sends Rhea face versus the scaffolding. And they're down but break the count. Raquel charges and Ripley uh, scoops her into the end board. They both somehow break the count again. Rhea tries to lead her to a piece of stairs that ended up there. But Gonzalez grabs her leg and she bounces her head back first off the stairs. The big text then sets up a choke slam and they go through the stage. Gonzalez rolls out and gets to her feet at nine. Winning the last women uh, st- last women standing match, and honestly, I think what a matchup still in the show there as well. You know? Oh, definitely my match of the night. Uh, I I was invested uh, deeply into this match. By the end, they did a great job of just on, like the spots seemed to get you know you know bigger and bigger. Uh, I believe the torch has definitely been passed. Uh, you know, it's like I think they mentioned at the end of the match. Uh, Raquel is not a baddest woman in NXT, and honestly, I I can't wait for Mercedes and EO, but I don't know what else 
Raquel is going uh, is have to do to prove that she can be a world champion or challenge EO at some point. So that's another person EO can watch out for. Again, I think the women's division in NXT is the best division in wrestling, uh, you know, uh, at least uh, on the American side, you know, barring things that I, I can, I'm interested in in Japan. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know a deeper and more and, you know, re- a better roster, uh, at least, especially from a women's standpoint. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoy what they've been doing. And I think Raquel and uh, not only Raquel and EO, but just Raquel right now can be, uh, I think this is thing, another star making performance. And this is like you said, or games and, you know, the match she had with Rhea before that, or, you know, uh, also, so like, man, you know, Raquel has really been on a, a roll right now. And I, I really enjoyed this match. And uh, I gave it four out of four point five stars. I thought the only thing this match was missing was if it had a title on the line. Then you know, you know, maybe you can put a five star element. You know, that's not any fault to the ladies. I think they did a great job. Uh, I completely agree with you, right? I'm giving that a four and three quarters out of five. Again, if it was a title match, it would be an all five. And but what I find interesting is is when people say, and especially like you hear it a lot of W documentaries and and a lot of things of older wrestlers saying, oh, you don't need wins to become a star. You can get over just by being over. But I think when you look at Gonzalez and when you look where she was as a kind of manager to Kota Kai, and now like you said, War Games. And the victories over Ripley, she looks like an unstoppable force. And for someone that maybe we weren't sure about a couple of months ago, again, character development of looking like a monster. And you're going, well, she faces Io Shirai, then Io's in big, big trouble because look at what she's done to someone like Ray Ripley. And again, it's perfect, uh, I feel, in NXT of the building of the women's division uh, again. And, and everything that is doing right at this moment in time. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, uh... You know that the execution of that storyline is uh is just one of those elements again that is necessary and uh, I, I, again I, I commend these ladies. I feel like every time I do one of the NXT reviews, the ladies do something in these matches where it's just like man, they are tough. Like you know all the way back to the Larray Io Shirai match <laughs> to now and, and you know Shotzi Blackheart's moments uh, at times. You know. Man, uh, these ladies are always every every special we review are putting on uh, a hell of a show. I think without a shadow of a doubt, and the polls went for Ray Ripley in that one, seventy-seven percent. So they were unhappy, but like we say, I think pretty soon Ripley uh, should be called up to the main roster. We then see Johnny Gargano and Candice Ray riding on the back of a limo with a police escort en route to the CWC for their New Year celebration. We stay with them on the uh, small screen. The officials check on Ripley. She sits up on her own and has to be helped off. The way make their way into the arena. Johnny gets a mic from Austin Fear and the North American champ runs down a list of curses, including the guy in the front row. We can't get a girlfriend, but they're still pulling for him. Uh, like this Cleveland Browns. Johnny overcome his curse last week. He names things he's the best at, including dancing. Candace calls him maybe the most powerful man ever. She's got him saying it's a plaque to commemorate the end of the streak. He thanks her and starts to talk about the most beautiful thing in his life, but before we learn what it is, talking about his wife on the belt, uh, Fury and Hart, Indy Hart will present with another gift. Since Johnny's real-life superhero, they've got Majorman of Way looking like the Fantastic Four. Uh, Gagana then announced that he and Fury would be a dusty classic, but here comes Shotzi Blackheart. Fury matches up to the ramp to put stop to it, and Shotzi shoots a cannon at his, uh, I would say testicles would be the best word, 
Um, <laughs> as we say, Nick, we say in England, his tally whacker took a, a strike there. She drives to the ring, she and the race start fighting. The way circles the way. She did help even the odds. Our host calls for the bell, and we've got a mixed tag match, even though Johnny and Candice are in the street clothes. Uh, what do you think of that segment with Johnny just being an A-plus arsehole? Oh, my goodness, man. I have to say, he is doing a great job. I know he's trying to get heat, but, man, he just cracks me up. Everything Gargano does, says, the way he does it, all the way something, all the way, like, the little things, like, uh, saying, you know, uh, as a special uh, lady in his eye or whatever, looking at his title belt, <laughs> but, you know, acting like he was uh, talking about Candace in a way, just like, like you said, being a, a douche, but just so clever or like just, just cra- he just cracks me up. I don't know. Like, again, I know he's not trying to do that, but he does. Uh, of course, I I wonder what everyone else. Uh, I think everyone else had the one of the same thing. How did Dexter Loomis draw that picture so fast? Uh, <laughs> to uh, to make the match, but you know he was he's ready. Uh, I found it hilarious, by the way, that when the match starts off, that Loomis is on commentary. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue why, but I guess you just the stare. But it's still entertaining nonetheless. Well, it's and again, Barrett is brilliant because Vic Joseph's going, why is he not saying anything? He goes, well, you know, he, he doesn't talk. So what do you want? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. I think they uh, even, uh, joked about tuxedos. I think Vic, you know, wanted way, uh, wanted to talk about tuxedos with Wade. And Wade Barrett was like, no, you know, his tuxedo is perfect, not like not yours. <laughs> it's, it's just, it adds, like I said, a good commentary adds to the action so much more. Uh, that, than anything else. And I think with NXT at the moment, it really, really is good stuff. And of course, we've got our match, Kansas Wayne, Johnny Gano versus Shotzi Blackheart and Kushida. The Hillsborough group on the outside were right to an advert. And then we're back. Candice working the arm. And the comeback is forward as soon as um, back and forth. And after the wind-up punch of the race, saves her husband. She pulls her hair up for some intergender action. And Johnny almost hits his wife when Kushida dodges a sneak attack. Blackheart recovers and they hit a tandem move on Candice. Things break down and uh, face hits stereo dive and Shotzi overshoots and hits the ramp quite hard. But Fury gets involved. Uh, a counter sends Johnny right into uh, his tally whacker again. Fury gets hit twice. Gagano checks him, which allows Kushida to roll him up for the pinfall victory. Uh, it was comic relief, but I think it worked quite well, this matchup. Oh, definitely. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't uh, meant to be like a, a wrestling classic. I think it did a great job. How good did Kushida look? You know, even with Theory trying to, uh, you know, you know, interfere. You know, him getting the best of Johnny. You know, what that could possibly set up in the future. Maybe a Kushida versus Gargano program. Who knows? I think even the moment that they got in this match together alone uh, really had me excited for a possible feud. And uh, man, and by the way, that dive, I wonder, I, you know, it's another dive where I just wonder, is she okay? And it just never fails. I almost count on it at this point that she's going to, you know, do that, do a suicide dive or do a dive of some sort to where I wonder, is she fine? Uh, but uh, I, I assume everything is fine. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed how well she looked in this match. The selling of the, uh, the Garganos was great in this match. Uh, you know, I thought maybe you could see this on any other week of NXT TV, but it was the good type of NXT TV. So, like you said, comic relief, but very, very enjoyable. Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt, like I said, Kishida's looking good. He's next in line. And we've talked about Shotzi before and having to maybe just tone it down just a little bit. Uh, out of five, it was a standard match for me. I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. I think that'd be fair enough. 
Yeah, I'm right around three stars myself. Uh, and then we see Undisputed Era, Carl O'Reilly warming up. We're told that the next takeover will be February 14th. So I'm looking forward to that. We get to spend Valentine's Day together. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That's so sweet. It's very sweet. <laughs> uh, well, after a break, we learn that the uh, Grizzly Young Vets will face Everrise next week. Then Mr. Regal tells us that the Women's Dusty Classic is coming. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm excited. They have, uh, you know, I, I, again, another uh, example of just how deep and uh, you know, well this roster uh, is put together. I can't wait to see who the actual teams are. You know, I can already piece a couple up in my mind. You know, we just saw Indy and LeRae, and I, I don't know who they would get to team with Shotzi. Maybe maybe an Ember Moon, maybe. I, I'm not sure. Just off the top of my head, maybe. I don't know. Tony Storm could partner up with someone. Raquel and Dakota Kai. You have Casey and uh, – you know, Casey and Caden, uh, Casey and Caden, I think is her, Caden uh, Carter. So you have that team, uh, you know, so they definitely have enough teams to uh, fill out the tournament. And I'm, I'm interested in to see, you know, what what happens in uh, the quality of the tournament. You know, I know the males dusty tournaments are usually, uh, you know, great stuff. So uh, I think the women can only add to that legacy. I think without a shadow of a doubt. And then we see Pete Dunn and the tag champs, the front row for our main event. Uh, and it's Kyler Riley versus Finn Balor. I mean, the question is now, who do you want to win and why before this match even starts? OK, well, I must admit, I was actually before this match rooting for Kyle O'Reilly to win this match. I thought it would have been a great moment or at least uh, a great opportunity to do something that maybe uh, I don't know if, if uh, Kyle O'Reilly necessarily get another chance to do especially with Finn Balor as champion and people like Cross returning into the fold maybe down in the future. Uh, who knows what was going to happen. So I thought maybe had, let him have this moment and maybe playing on uh, Adam Cole and Kyle Riley feud at some point would be a move to go to. But uh, once the match started and I was, uh, in, you know, kind of caught up on what's been going on as far as like, you know, Finn Balor feeling the way he feels. I love the commentary in this match. Uh, I know you haven't got into it. They did a really good job of uh, explaining, you know, how Finn Balor felt coming into this match. You know, the fact that everyone was talking about, instead of talking about the fact that he was still a champion, they're talking about the fact that he broke his jaw. So I, after feel, getting into that element of the match, I think Finn Balor had me rooting for him by the end of this. Well, I can't believe it's been three months since TakeOver 31 since the very first matchup where... Uh, does the time go? But like I said, the first shoulder tackle for Carl sees Finn check on his jaw and they go Matt and exchange stuff while Carl has a slight advantage. Finn applies an abdominal stretch to stop his momentum. When Carl can't use his hands to break it, he bites on the ropes to do so and Finn knees him in the back of the head Ooh. for the jaws and Medic checks on Kyle. Uh, that was a, a vicious point there. But again, a start of the story, so to speak, wasn't it, you know? Exactly. It was like it was. It was actually probably the most prominent moment in the match, or at least the most important moment, uh, because of how it was well done. Not only was it a little precursor to the finish, it was also just, uh, you know, a very like you said, a brutal moment, and also told you the intention of Finn Balor for the rest of this match was not only to beat and best Kyle rather, but he wanted to hurt him. I think without a doubt, and even as Cole gets going on offense, he still chops check on his jaw. Finn is an extra vicious one as everything he does. He grinds his forearm across Carl's jaw into the corner, for example, and targets it with things like a back elbow. Carl sells the hell out of it. He finally gets an open with a kitchen sink. Uh, the commentary, like we said, is really good tonight, especially Wade, and he explains what a receipt is in this match as well 
for anybody that doesn't know, which again adds another extra dimension to it, you know? I agreed. I, I really loved his explanation. Again, like I said, he set the scene perfectly and letting you know what, what you were witnessing, why Finn Balor was way more aggressive than he, uh, you know, tends to be at time, you know, a little less flashy. I think he even mentioned, I think either Belt or uh, Barrett mentioned that uh, Balor was less flashy and more, you know, aggressive and to the point. And I, I agree in the receipt, you know, explaining the concept and the fact that Finn Balor wanted revenge. And, and you know, that element, again, only made the match that much better. Well, we see Kyle file off knees and gets an earful, taking a kick out and grabbing the arm for a submission. Finn needs him in the jaw to escape. They start training strikes and kicks. Cole rolls into a leg lock, but Finn boots his way free. Cole hits a running kick with such power that the torque sends him flying through the ropes and outside. He barely beats the count back in. Uh, that was a great exchange. And this was just enjoyable to watch. It wasn't anything kind of blow your mind, but it was just an enjoyable wrestling match, you know? Agreed. They didn't They didn't seem to, like, try to uh, go too far or, or fight too, uh, too far out their body. No super insane spots you know a lot of uh you know just smart you know you know technical but also just very very aggressive uh wrestling and i love the fact that that was a unique way to do the count out spot you know we've seen the other way you know the the, the both guys outside the ring or one guy beats the count type of thing uh that done over and over but the the creativity of the fact that kyle Riley's own momentum put him in that situation uh, man, I agree. it was just such a well-done spot. And this match was put together well in, in general, in my point of view. Well, that's what I'm saying. When I was just watching it, I was watching it. And there wasn't anything else, you know. It was even like making notes and just trying to enjoy the action. Uh, we see Cole wrenching Finn's arm through the pain of getting hit in the face. Cole gets a good team, but Finn blocks only to get trapped in a triangle choke. That turns into a leg lock. Finn breaks it with another shot to the jaw. He then drives more forearms, but has no use of his left arm. 1916 hits and he transitions over to a crossface. Carl manages to bite free by hitting the injured wrist. They slug it out until Finn hits the sling blade. John Roo dropkick connects, a superplex follows, and they nearly pin each other. At that point, when they went to pin each other, I thought, don't you do it this way and give us another <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was, man, I, it was so close. was not ready for it to end like that. Uh, Carlo rolls into a brain buster for two and then goes into an arm submission that Finn breaks by going to the ropes. The Finn is busted open. And I think with the injuries that we've heard with the jaw and then what they've sustained and now the blood, it adds so much more realism. It feels like you're actually watching like a kind of MMA style fight because of the damage they're doing to each other, you know? I agree. I think it's a, a welcome element, uh, you know, to their matches, you know, the, the fact that they fight the, a submission slash, you know, very physical striking style match, you know, uh, and, you know, you get you see, like you said, a blood, a, the cuts or whatever it is. It, it definitely tells uh, a story of not only just how, uh, you know, competitive the match is, but just how uh, much they are putting in trying to defeat each other. And I think, you know, I mentioned MMA, I think the ending as well. More so than anything I've seen in quite a while because Finn booting uh, Carl Liver and stops him from charging. You can see Carl reacting to it. You think, oh, he's in serious trouble. He still tries to go for the leg, but it's put back in the abdominal stretch. Finn drops down into a different submission, applying pressure on the jaw and gets the victory. Uh, Finn Balor retains the title. Is it me? Did that, as I say, more MA, it kind of felt like it just finished as opposed to building a crescendo. 
Is there anything wrong with that, or do you think because of the style it had to finish like this? Uh, I think it works well, like you uh, like you said, within the style of the match, it works well. It kind of reminds me of uh, of Tim Thatcher and uh and uh Matt Riddle's match. You know, I think they were in the pit, and the way I think if I remember it right, it ended with a submission, and it just fits really well within that style of match, that that MMA type of match. So I I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing, but I do understand how if you want to compare it to like the big crescendos or the big the big highlight finishes that we all uh you know know and love sometimes especially from matches from Finn or you know like from what happened in the first match uh I, I get what you're saying but uh in the context of what he was trying to do which was you know injure Kyle O'Reilly and in, in the story I think it works really really well and standing tall at the end when the undisputed error runs in to check on Kyle Man, did that make Finn Balor look like a badass. Well, that's what I was saying. They came in to check. Carl was kind of stared off into the distance. Didn't want to hear, didn't want to hear anything of it. Looking dejected. And Finn survived just looking on. Talk about blood, sweat and tears. Uh, I kind of want Carl to win because I think that would have been a great story for his just desserts. But hopefully it's something they continue. Uh, I give uh, polls with 63% to Finn Balor. Out of five, I'm going to give that a four and a quarter out of five. Wasn't as good as the TakeOver 31 match, but still a, a great technical match for the needs to is a great match overall. You know? I agree 100%. I gave it the exact same scores right right around four, uh, four and a quarter. It was a really solid match. I do not think uh, – the thing was I wanted – I was thinking about giving it four and a half, kind of like Rhea and Raquel, but I did not think it deserved uh, the credit to be uh, on par with that match. I thought that was by far – the best match of the night, uh, you know, uh, even though, again, I thought I really enjoyed Finn Balor and Kyle Riley's match. And it may, again, it didn't, it wasn't match of the year quality, but, you know, uh, when you have a great match like that, you know, it's always going to be, you know, what was it, is it as good as the first one or is it as good as that type of match? And, you know, th- that doesn't make mean this match isn't a great match in his own right. No, I think we're out of uh, And I think, you know, to talk about uh, our match of the night, then will be the last one standing. I mean, overall, the event, I think my person of the night has got to be Gonzalez because um, the, the punishment she put on with Ray Ripley was incredible. But I think if anybody's coming out here looking like a star and looking like next in line, I think Gonzalez is, is, is my pick for this event. I agree. I believe, I believe she gained the most out of everyone. You know, even though Finn Balor looked good and crossed, uh, you know, he got back on track, I think, uh, long term or like or at least for his most meaningful moments right now. Raquel definitely uh, is the, the person of the night. He, she deserves uh, that honor uh, and they they deserve both women deserve a hats off for that performance. And what would be your score out of 10 for the first uh, NXT special of the year? Uh, out of 10, I would say. About eight point five. Uh, I, I really enjoyed some parts of this uh, of the show, but it was also some parts of the show where I thought was pretty much uh, anything you would see on a weekly NXT. Uh, I think maybe, of course, if we would have got Thatcher and Ciampa uh, in the uh, in the pit, it definitely would have added a, 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 a element to the show that probably would have took it over the top and made it more takeover like. But other than Kyle O'Reilly, the last women standing match, and maybe Cross. And uh, yeah, definitely crossing priest. I don't think anyone, anything else is really like a takeover worthy. Uh, so uh, eight point five is probably where I end up. Yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight, uh, eight and three quarters out of ten. Like I said, it probably wasn't the best 
NXT special we had. And I think part of the problem with that was because of Halloween Havoc, you know, kind of had that set that you all the matches were kind of based along that. I don't think New Year's Evil thing came to play once. I think even like compared to Great American Bash, I don't think it really made a difference. The three matches did. I'm a little bit worried about the tag team division still in NXT. Let's hope the Dusty Classic um, can add to that. But I think overall, you know, it, it was a good event. Uh, and I think the, the women again stole the show. And how many times do we say that, like you said, at an NXT TakeOver or a special event? Um, but rating-wise, we talk about TV ratings. Dynamite defeated uh, NXT um, in this episode. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of problems happened in America uh, over the week as well, which maybe have affected these ratings. Uh, Dynamite got 662,000 viewers, where NXT got 641,000. Uh, Wednesday marked the first night of AEW's two-week New Year's New Year Smash, featured a pair of title matches: Kenny Omega against um, Ray Phoenix and Hirokushida versus Abdomen Moore that next week. Um, are you surprised that NXT lost? And do the ratings actually matter that much at this moment in time? Uh, well, you know, I know to some people and to uh, plenty of circles out there, they mean a whole lot. I've seen uh, definitely on Thursdays, they are definitely top wrestling news to a lot of people. They're not really a big deal to me personally, but I can speak for not only myself, but for a lot of people that I have been in contact with uh, that Wednesday uh, who I know follow wrestling. You know, uh, not, not, not that they weren't keeping up with it. It was definitely uh, the people, you know, we – you know, those numbers are not necessarily bad, in my opinion. They're just, of course, lower than we've seen for past takeovers and past, you know, nights for both both shows. So uh, I think uh, definitely what was going on in the country that day had, uh, you know, took a lot of people's attention away from the wrestling that was going on there. So I don't necessarily think this rating hurts NXT's credibility or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I know personally for me, the ratings don't mean a whole lot. I I enjoy the re- I enjoy my wrestling. I didn't even get a chance to watch it live Wednesday night, you know, not only because of what was going on in the country, but just, you know, life in general. So I had mine DVR and I got a chance to check it out later. And, you know, so the ratings to me don't really mean a whole lot, but I know it's circles out there who these numbers mean a, a lot too. And, you know, to those people, yeah, I think they matter. But I've never watched a wrestling event because it's had the most ratings. You know, I've, exactly. I've never really... I, I don't I go, you know, what am I going to watch this week? Don, what, NXT? Let's see who, you know, how many more people watched it. Uh, but like I said, at the moment, the, the whole world, you know, it is really, really struggling. And I think, like I said, as a, you know, a, a Britain suffering Brexit and uh, with everything that's going on with uh, COVID as well, um, I feel you struggle, especially when it comes to what's going on in America at this moment in time. Uh, and it's good that we've got a bit of wrestling uh, that can, like I said, try and put smiles on faces. Um, finally, we're going to look at the Dusty Classic because WWE announced that um, Kashida and Liam Ruff and the Bollywood Boys will be taking part in this year's Men's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic. I've got an updated list of teams. We've got the Unsputed Era, Adam Cole, Roger Strong. Ever Rise, Chase Parker and Matt Martell, Bree Zango, Breeze and Fandango, Kurt Stanley and August Gray, Killian Dane, Drake Maverick, Imperium, the Grizzled Young Vets, the Gala Down Phantasma, uh, Johnny Garn, Austin Theory, Isaiah Swerve, Scott, Jay Catless, Kushida and Ruff, and the Bollywood Boys. And of course, it will kick off with Unspeakable um, versus Bree Zango and the Grizzled Young Vets versus Ever Rise. 
coming up on the next episode of NXT. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the Dusty Classic and who's your pick? Let's have a pick. I'll pick a team. You'll pick a team. We'll see who the outright winner is. Okay. Uh, well, honestly, I'm very interested. I, I, I'm, uh, I can't believe that. Did you say Isaiah's worst shot? Scott and, Z- and Jake Atlas, they're going to be teaming uh, with each other? Yeah, they're on the same team. So that's an interesting concept, you know, They with their recent back and forth, and, you know, so I, I would like to see the story there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that means well for them necessarily in this tournament, uh, but I can't wait to see. I got to say that's interesting. That caught my ear. But uh, I believe from the beginning, uh, since when I saw them talk about it and the Undisputed Era mentioned it in their promo, I think right after that, the camera went to the Grizzly Young Vets in the crowd, or I could be wrong. At some point, they put they put the cameras on them, and uh, I, I I liked them when they showed up in NXT uh, uh, for the last run, but uh, pre-pandemic, I liked them, uh, you know, uh, as well, a few times that I got a chance to watch them in the NXT UK. So I, I think Grizzly Young Vets will be a great team to not only win the, uh, the Classic, but to challenge – you know, Lorkin and uh, Birch. So I, I would love to see those two teams go head to head. And I think I'm, I'm going with Grizzly on Vets. Well, you took my pick, but I can change it. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I should have gone first. Because uh, you've gone. Because <laughs> you've gone Grizzly Young Vets. For uh, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane. Because they've had a little bit of test set with the uh, NXT Tag Team Champions. And like you said, WWE love the oddball story. And can they finally work together as a fully team and realise their goals by winning the Dusty Classic? Uh, no, they can't bridge young. Surprised but surprised at all if they took it. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they took it. So we'll find out maybe on the, uh, like I said, our next show together will be TakeOver. And uh, we'll cover the Dusty Classic and all the stuff that's going on there. But that is it. And don't forget. Um, our follower of the week is Mandy the Goddess Four, and we're across all social media: Twitter at the WNR Podcast. Um, do you want to just plug your Twitter and everything like that? Yeah, you've got going on. All right, uh, please check out the, uh, my Twitter at Monty Mo Pod M O N T Y M O P O D Pod Monty Mo Pod. So check me, check us out on Twitter. Uh, I put out a weekly podcast every week, uh, mostly covering this week in wrestling. Uh, but definitely we'll try to be leading with other type forms of content. Also, uh, I'm definitely getting started also on my reaction channel on YouTube. So I will be sending out links at my Twitter and all of that there. So please uh, give us a check out and, uh, you know, listen. And uh, I thank you guys. And I thank you for uh, allowing me back here all the time. It's uh, It's been great. I have uh, definitely enjoyed these shows. And it's nice to get my feet wet out here in uh, in this world and, in the wrestling community and continue to keep putting out content. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I can't wait to see you get takeover. Yeah. Without a doubt, like I said, it's always great to have you on and, uh, anybody enjoyed the first 20 minutes, half hour of us talking about new Japan pro wrestling, please check Monty out because he goes into such a uh, detail and he knows a lot more than I do about Japanese wrestling. Uh, so go and check him out. Make sure you can go into there for more detail as well. Don't forget the WNR we're on Facebook and also Instagram. You can send us an email, the WNR podcast at gmail.com. And we're on YouTube, the WNR podcast, all the latest clips and podcasts go at the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Stitcher and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. 
So that is it. Our next episode is Impact Hard to Kill with the Ultimate One. But until then, I have been James Rowlands and our pleasure to be joined by Monty. Thank you very much for doing it. And like I said, each show is just getting better and better, isn't it? You know? Uh, I agree 100%. And uh, thank you again for having me. And uh, let's do it again for TakeOver. Yeah, Valentine. let's spend... <laughs> yeah, but I say, let's spend <laughs> Valentine's Day together. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Adios.